0: Thank you, Rick and Nancy. Be turned to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Proverbs, chapter 24. Give you a chance to turn. While you're turning, let me say thank you for everybody who showed up through the past week, yesterday and earlier in the week, to help pick up sticks. Uh, Sounds pretty uh, simple, but it wasn't a a crucial part of what we're doing out there. We needed to get those sticks. uh, roots and sticks and things up to help us uh, with the final pre- uh, process of completing our, our prep for a, the future expansion out here. So I want to say thank you for everybody who helped out. Uh, you know there are, there's room for people of all skill levels. Now It doesn't take a whole lot of skill to pick up sticks but it takes a lot of muscles. A lot of them I didn't know I had but they're pretty sore today. Uh, It takes some muscles to pick up sticks but it takes some skill to handle that equipment. I really appreciate all the guys that have come and handled that equipment. Now I've always respected these guys and I've always been amazed at how, how well these guys can handle this heavy equipment. It's just irreplaceable to have them out there. Uh, but earlier this week, I came to a, a, a more profound appreciation of it because we had this spot behind the shop there that we couldn't mow because we were leaving some, some uh, pipes exposed and everything, and it got to the point where I realized we weren't doing anything in the future to that, and we just go ahead and cover it up. So I thought, well, I'll just get on my little tractor, and I'll get out there and scrape up some dirt and put in those holes and all. How hard could it be? Well, I realize there's a whole lot more than pulling levers to make that ground look good. So I finally got off of the tractor with my shovel and rake and got it to look like I wanted to. But it took me a while to be able to scoop up dirt and put it in. So these guys that can handle dozers and track and all, man, you've got my respect. And I appreciate all of you who are working hard to make this a reality. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. Sometime after Labor Day on a Sunday, and we'll, we'll make an announcement. We're gonna present the master plan of what we're doing out there because people are asking what are we gonna be putting. This has to be of course approved before we proceed and you need to know what's going on. And I knew very well, summer's not a good time for everybody to be together and get information because people are out of town on the weekends. So the reality of that is I wanna wait till September when everybody's back after Labor Day, we'll let you know what the architect has said where these things need to be, and what's going to be on the property, and ask, answer questions you might have. It's really exciting. Let me tell you, there'll be something out there for all ages, and it'll be a very beautiful place when we finally get done. But for now, we've got to just get the ground level, we've got to get it smooth, we've got to get grass on it so it won't wash during the winter time. And uh, so you have helped out quite a bit with that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, and let's begin in verse 30. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns, and its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well, and I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you how it applies to our life. We thank you that no matter... What age or what stage in life that we're in, Father, your word applies to us, and we ask that you would show us your will and your message for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure we've looked at this particular passage before. I've got it marked uh, in my Bible. I want to look at several things this morning. We are confronted first and foremost, with an unavoidable reality. And we're reminded of an unavoidable reality. And you know, a lot of times people wish things were different, and they wish that they didn't have to deal with certain circumstances. But let me tell you, there's an unavoidable reality mentioned in this passage of Scripture that we need to realize that we can't change no matter how intently we may want to change it. And it is mentioned in this, I went by the field of the lazy man. He didn't say I went to the field of the lazy man. He said I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and there it was all overgrown with thorns. Now he didn't look for it on purpose. It didn't say he went on purpose to inspect the field. It says while he was on his own personal business as he went by the field the condition of the field is obvious now here's the reality and we can't change this we can bluster all we want to the condition of our heart is eventually visible to others the true condition of our heart eventually Visible to others. That means the direction of our steps spiritually will eventually be visible to others. The treasure of our hearts, the things that are really important to us, eventually will be visible to others. Our true commitment to the cause, whatever cause that may be, whether it's church, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, our true commitment to any particular thing of value will become obvious to others. He did not go to look at this vineyard. He was passing by and saw the true condition of the vineyard. Now, some people may say, well, and usually it's encountered with the hand on the head. People didn't need to be so nosy about my business. Well, noting the obvious... And you can't avoid it is not looking into somebody's business if they can notice it without even looking for it. And a lot of times people aren't nosy. They just stumble over the condition of our hearts. They stumble over the condition of our lives. They can't avoid it because we're so public with the true condition of our hearts. And so people see it and notice it. And, of course, then you say, don't judge me. Noting The obvious is not judging. This guy says, I went by the field of the lazy man. How did he come to that conclusion? Every field wasn't covered with thorns. Every vineyard wasn't grown up. Every stone wall wasn't broken down. And he walks by and sees that. The conclusion he draws is a natural conclusion. There was not very much judging going on. So therefore, when people... Say, they shouldn't judge me, that means they should not note the obvious in my life. You see, the true condition of our hearts is obvious to others. And Jesus said two different things that shows that our hearts will re- be revealed in time. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we do, how we behave, speaks louder than what we may say about our condition." And we may proclaim, oh, how I love Jesus, but if something else coming out of our mouth is reflecting another condition, then people are going to believe the abundance of our heart. He also said this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, what we do, how we behave speaks louder than what we may say about our condition. So we read this past description and there's a warning. We don't like it. A lot of people get all upset and they get defensive. People shouldn't be judging me. When our lifestyle is not what it should be according to the scripture. When our commitment to the Lord is not what it should be according to God's will, it will become noticeable to people around us. When our commitment to our family or our job or whatever is not what it should be, it will be noticeable. That's an unavoidable reality regardless of how we wish it was different. It won't be different. People will see it and people will notice. Secondly, this is another unavoidable reality. Every purpose and goal of value requires an investment of effort. Every purpose or goal of value requires an investment of effort. Now we're all easy to say amen about that, but let me qualify that. It requires our effort. It's not like, why doesn't somebody do this? Why don't they get that done? Any purpose or goal of value requires our effort effort. There's an old saying, we get out of it what we put into it. And if I'm not getting a lot out of church, well, you can finish that statement. Could be I'm not putting a lot into it. If I'm not getting a lot out of whatever, could be I'm not putting a lot into it. You see, every purpose and goal of value requires effort. And I want to use this opportunity because I'm never one to ignore the obvious. Of course, last week we had our back-to-school rally, and I want to talk a little bit about school. I'm looking around, and this building is saturated with school-age kids. Let me just talk about school because we're talking about effort. And I can admit the fact that some of you, all of you, are asked to put forth effort in your schoolwork. And most of you are saying, but this all seems to be so meaningless. This all seems to be so senseless. Why am I having to learn about Shakespeare? I'll never ever have to learn about know about Shakespeare when I get grown. Now what job am I gonna have that I need to know about Shakespeare? I've heard it all before. Or the state capitals. That's a good one, isn't it? I gotta memorize those state capitals. Or the presidents. I can see where you have a job, and they say, man, you got the promotion because you know who the 15th president was. That never happens, does it? What about algebra? I'll, I'll never have to learn algebra. I don't know why I need to have that. Why do I need to know how to read all these books? This is not going to help me at all. I've heard it, and I even said it. Now, here's where it all comes into sense. And I wish somebody had told me this when I was in school because here's where it all begins to fall into place. No, you may not need to know about Shakespeare when you get grown. You'll never need to know whoever Edgar Allan Poe was to get the promotion at work. But you are acquiring skills by doing all this that you'll need later on. We all know the show about the karate kid. Wax on, wax on, paint the floor, wash the car. He can't understand exactly how to do all this. Until Mr. Miyagi makes him go through all those motions. Now, he's developed some muscles now, and he can go fight the fight. Now, I go to basketball games in the gym. You know, we have the two teams show up, and everybody comes in there. Those teams don't run line drills. We don't find out who won the game by who runs the best line drills, but I guarantee you all the teams do that. There's not a weight bench on the court, but you know there's weights that they have to deal with. We don't send them running around the gym and find out who can run the longest and that's who wins the game. We don't do that. But that's what all the training does. Now, why are we having to do this, coach? I bet you don't say that. I bet you don't say, we don't ever have to do line drills during the game. I can't see why we'd ever do it. I'm not doing it. And football. I don't ever see the tires on the field when the game comes together. But these guys run through tires and they do this little sprint thing and fall down and do push-ups and they do a little sprint thing. They do this a lot in practice. I've, I've seen the films of the practice. The pros do this. Never have seen that on TV during game time. What is it? They are developing skills in practice that they'll need during the game. You'll need some skills later on that you're developing when you have to deal with Shakespeare and algebra and the presidents and all this. What are these skills? Well, listen up. I'm about to tell you what skills you're going to need and what skills you can be learning in school. Number one, we will need when we are adults to know how to get up and be on time every day. You got to know that. You got to know how to get up and be at work every time. That you know no matter how talented an individual is, not thinks he is, but really is, you will get fired if you don't get up and get to work on time every day. When you go to school five days a week, you are learning to get up and be somewhere every day. Secondly, to learn how to follow the rules. Even if you don't see the sense in the rules, you got to learn how to follow the rules. Now, I've heard this before. I'll be glad when I get grown where nobody can boss me around. Are you kidding? You thinking when you get grown, there's no rules? You get thinking when you're grown, there's no instructions that you're going to have to have. There's nothing you got to play by. When you get grown, you are just jumping into the world of rules. Let me tell you, you need to know how to follow some rules. You didn't know how to collect information and apply it. In any job, in any part of life, you will need to know how to collect some information and apply that information. Regardless of where you work, you will need to know how to think your way through a problem, how to think your way through a challenge. You're presented with a challenge, a problem. What are you going to do with this challenge? In school, you learn how to handle these. All right, your challenge to memorize the state capitals. Oh, I mean, you don't really want to do it. You don't see any sense of it, but you got to do it. How are you going to accomplish this? Term papers. Oh, I, would, I don't know if I'll ever have to write a term paper when I go to work at the plant. No. But a term paper teaches you how to collect information and apply it, how to size up assignment and develop a plan to accomplish that assignment. And in every aspect of life, all these skills are necessary. Oh, and here's a good one. Yeah, but my teacher doesn't like me, and and he's so unreasonable. Well, rule number six. You're going to have to learn how to get along with unreasonable people. Because believe it or not, everybody's not gonna agree with you and sometimes your boss is not gonna seem unreasonable. Your boss may be unreasonable. What are you gonna do with that? Well, the option is, well, I'll just quit. Like the option is now, well, I just won't go to school. You have to learn how to get along with unreasonable people and people who are difficult to work with. You need to learn that now. And sometimes, maybe it is the teacher But probably it isn't. Probably it's because we hadn't got those first ones down, and we don't see the use of school anyway, so we're just going to go with an attitude that I don't need to do all this, and therefore anybody who tells me I need to do this is unreasonable. I'm just not going to do it. They're not my friend. But we need to have all these skills in place. Now, you have the choice. You don't have to apply yourself in school. You can just blow your way through school. Let me tell you, you will not acquire these skills. Just like you decide you're just going to fake your way through practice, and you're not going to do the drills in practice, you don't see the reason for it. The fourth quarter of the ball game, all of a sudden, you have no wind. you got no legs under you. And the other team is just beating your socks off because you can't run from one end of the court. All of a sudden, line drills and laps are very relevant right now. I remember when I was in Little League Ball (laughs) and coaching the boys in Little League Ball. You know where people hated to be? outfield. I mean, it was like being banished to Siberia. I don't want to play outfield, coach. Nobody wanted to play outfield. So you know what? Nobody learned to play outfield. We didn't want to be out there. Nobody really learned how to catch a pop fly because I don't want to be out there anyway. So nobody really applied themselves to learning how to catch the pop fly. Ball game day comes up. And the team's getting creamed because these kids are popping fly balls. Where? Out in the outfield. And the guy that can save the ball game doesn't save the ball game because he never learned to catch a pop fly because he didn't want to be out there in the first place. You know who saves ball games? Outfielders save ball games because if you can't catch a pop fly, a pop fly turns into a home run. So therefore, you're saying right now you don't need what you're trying to learn in school. And what I'm saying is when you get out of school and get in the game, you will need these skills. If you don't have these skills, it will show up in the game. and It will show up in life. Besides this, I know all of us say, well, I'm not going to need algebra. I'm not going to need this. Why do you know what you're going to need? In fact, you're thinking about jobs. Let me talk about something important. So I'm looking around here. This time of the year, there's not a whole lot more important than deer hunting. Deer season. Now we're talking about something that's relevant, all right? Everybody wants to do some deer hunting, so you've got a plot of ground out your deer lease. All right, the property you hunt on. You think, man, I'm going to plow that up. I'm going to plant some stuff for the deer to eat. So you find out there's this special clover. There's this special clover that you can get and put on that deer lease. And not only will it grow them big bucks, it'll draw them in just like just like candy. I mean, they just can't resist it. i got to have some of that. So you go and you find the bag of stuff. You turn it over and look, and it says, this is very important. You have to have 30 pounds per acre of this deer corn or this uh, this deer clover. you got to have 30 pounds of seed per acre. Now, you get too much of it, it chokes it out. You don't get enough, it doesn't draw them in. I mean, the, the people who developed this says, you need to know how much you put on here. So, how are you going to find out? Well, you look at your... Plot of ground, you got to know that it's got to be pretty accurate. You don't have a measuring tape, it's too big for that, so you step it off. It's 118 steps by 107 steps. Well, you still don't know anything, do you? How are you going to figure out how much seed to put on your ground? Well, you know what you have to do? Math. So you have to realize that an adult step is about three feet. So you have a, a 107 steps by 118 steps. So you have 321 step, uh, feet by 354 feet. You, you come up with that much. Well, well you still don't know anything because you, you don't know how big is an acre. How are you going to find that out? Well, I'll just Google it. Well, that, that might work. But here's the problem. You Google in Acre where there's this new country band called Acres of Diamonds. You Google that, and I mean, that's all that pops up. Well, I'm going to Google the area of an acre. So I Google that, Area 51 keeps popping up. Or, Or maybe your computer's on the blink. How do you find out how big an acre is? Well, in school, they have something like this. But you thought this was not anything that would ever be relevant in your life, so the dictionary, you just threw it out. Well, as you know, in here, you can find out that magic formula about how big an acre is. So you look it up and find out that an acre is 43,560 square feet, 209 by 209 feet, approximately. Now, those of you who are particular, I know I'm not dealing with decimals, so I know that. I round it up. So we know approximately 209 by 209, aha, But now I have 113,634 square feet on my plot, but this says that an acre is 43,560 square feet. How am I gonna know? What do we have to do? Math, really, algebra. You didn't think it meant anything at all. Now one of the most important things in life, deer hunting, you've gotta do math. So don't tell me I'll never have to do math at my job. You may have to do math with something that's more important than your job, which is of course deer hunting. Well, so now I know I need 78 pounds. Guess what? This stuff is sold in a 30 pound bag. How many bags am I going to need? What do you have to do? Math. So here's the thing. We think we're not going to need all of these skills that you're supposed to be learning in school and you'll need every one of them before your life is done. Now, here's a key point. I want your undivided attention. Your teacher makes these assignments. Now i got to do this stupid assignment for my teacher. Your parents should be pressuring you to do these assignments. Well, I got to do this stupid assignment because my teacher told me to. Let me tell you, look this way. Don't forget this. The effort is not for your teachers. The effort is not for your parents. This is an investment in yourself. This is an investment in yourself. And if you decide that school is so irrelevant you're not even gonna try, you have missed the skills that are gonna help you out later on. Now, you remember the guy on the vineyard? The lazy man, the man void of understanding, is pretty obvious. He was lazy. How do we come up to the think that he was the the point that he was void of understanding? Okay, a vineyard and a field was how these people made money and how they fed their family and raised food. That's how they did that. Now, I'm just not going to worry about these thistles. I'm not going to hoe the nettles out of here. I'm not going to get the weeds out of the field. Who suffers? He does. He does. That's why he's void of understanding. Who lost out when he decided none of this stuff was important and I'm just not going to do it? That's why he's void of understanding. He's starving. He's going broke because he's decided that all this stuff doesn't matter. Bingo. Anything worth of value will require an investment of effort. Now, When you decide that it's important to do your schoolwork, you're making an investment in yourself, not in the teachers, not in your parents. And here's why it's important. Sooner or later, you're going to want somebody to invest in you. You're going to want them to take a risk and give you a job. You may be looking for a scholarship. You may be looking for for, somebody else will want to invest in you. Let me tell you. If you don't care enough about yourself to invest in yourself, how can you expect anybody else to care enough and invest in you? If we're not willing to invest in ourselves, we're going to try to convince somebody else to invest in us. You see, that's why at the start of school, not on graduation night, we talk about the importance of what's going on. But now here's a news flash: Somebody else has already invested in you. Did you catch... little parable here. He said this, I went by the field of the lazy man, the vineyard of the man void of understanding. It was all grown up and the stone wall was broken down. Who do you think put that stone wall there? Do you think it was this guy? Absolutely not. Who do you think established the field in the first place? You think is this guy? Probably not. Who do you think planted the grapevines and the vineyard was there? You think it's this guy? No, it wasn't him. It was somebody else. Somebody else made an investment to get him to where he is and he blew it. And somebody else has invested already in your life. Don't blow it. You have the ability. To make something of the opportunity of an education, even if you're not going to go to college, even if you don't know what you're going to do, there are skills that you'll need in every aspect of your life, and you don't get it now, don't blow it. Somebody else has already taken the time and the effort and made an investment so you can do this. So he wasted the opportunity that was given to him, and he wasted the investment that somebody else had already made in life. Now, where does that leave the rest of us? This applies to every single one of us, doesn't it? It applies to every single one of us when it comes to this church, doesn't it? Why why do you think we have a church here at Brister? It's not just our investment, is it? A century ago, people invested to make sure there was a church here. A generation ago, people invested to make sure there was a church here. This is is not all what we've done. So therefore, what are we going to do with the investment that other people have done to make sure this church Stayed going in some pretty tough times, I'm sure. Well, any goal or purpose that's of value will require our effort, right? So now we wrap it all up. And did you know in this little passage of scripture there is a reminder of our need for the gospel? Where's that here? It says it was all overgrown with thorns and nettles. Way back at the beginning of the book in Genesis chapter 3. Let me just read for you chapter 3 verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree that I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. Why were there thorns in the the vineyard, in the garden, in the book of Proverbs? Because of Adam's sin. That reminds us that we are all sinners. We are sinners by nature and we are sinners by our actions. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and all of us are very honest, say that we have sinned at least once. And all it takes is one sin that disqualifies us from heaven. The thorns and thistles reminds us we live in a sinful world and we are sinful people, because that's what God said to Adam: these thorns are going to be here because you sinned. Now, I don't have weeds in my garden because I have sinned, but I have sinned, and weeds are in my garden. But we have to understand that the sin is just a reality we've got to deal with. And it disqualifies us from heaven. But aren't we glad that the Bible gives us the truth that God loves us too much to leave us this way? And regardless of the thorns and the thistles and the sins of our life, he says this, When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. God demonstrates his love toward us, and then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. We're all disqualified from heaven. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. All that's in that one little reminder, oh, that field was grown over with thorns. While the thorns there Sin broke the world, and we're living in that broken world, and we are broken people. God loves us too much to leave us that way. So whether you're back to school or it's been decades since you've been in the school, there's something in here for us. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This is the time to do it. You got some other things in your life, some weeds you need to get out, this is the time to do it. I think when we said the condition of our life would pretty much become obvious to others, our mind went to maybe something we need to fix. Today is the day to fix it. As we stand and sing, what number?